This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, September 27, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The Citizens United Free Speech ruling was supposed to usher in a new era of corporate control over our elections. But labor unions now appear to be poised to make use of the new openness afforded by the ruling. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, comments. President Obama, shortly after the Citizens United decision in his State of the Union address, sort of called out the Supreme Court, and it was kind of a, a famous moment, for, say, for, as he put it, turning back more than a half century of law. And a, a lot of people were complaining about the ruling, and uh, but since then, it seems that the attitudes have changed. Well, there's still a hardcore in the Democratic Party that's unhappy about it, and there'll be organizing attempts around that for constitutional amendments and so on. But uh, labor unions had always had a sort of tendency toward uh, liberalization, uh, many of them. And they were they felt that the rules that uh, restricted uh, corporations also restricted them, which was true. So it's no great surprise, I think, that they're trying to figure out how to use the new environment. In, and indeed, that was foreseen from the first that they would be. Uh, they have a right to raise money and spend it too. In the criticisms about Citizens United from these, I guess, good government people mm-hmm. who uh, are very concerned about the role that corporations would play mm-hmm. in a post-Citizens United mm-hmm. world, unions largely escaped uh, being lumped in in a lot of conver- the conversation. It was sort of assumed that they were there, but they sort of weren't really included in that conversation. That's correct. The, there's a, you have to realize that people who are really upset about Citizens United operate within a, a framework or a worldview that says uh, not only is business a um, malignant sort of force in American politics, but they're always on the, the cusp of completely dominating all political uh, activities, all public discourse, all policy arguments. So the underlying notion here is that unions don't really matter at all, and they're not part of the scene. They don't have very much money. And then you look at all of the resources that uh, business corporations have, and the assumption is they will bring all of that to bear and, once again, fulfill the story, which is totally dominate everything. But however much money corporations have, obviously we know that they're not going to bring all of that to bear lest they just lay waste their their business interests, but unions are specifically designed to influence the political process. Well, remember, unions uh, get money from their members. They operate uh, almost exclusively in closed shops, so they have union fees. And some part of that, it's never been quite determined and hard to determine exactly what, goes to political activity. So they have contributors all the time. (laughs) They don't have to go out and find them or uh, arrange for it. So, yes, they've always uh, had that, and we're highly organized in that sense. The other thing is this whole view that this uh, Citizens United will lead to total business domination of politics just uh, is ahistorical. If you look over the last decade, uh, beginning, I really think, around 2000, 2001, Uh, The Democratic Party and Democratic contributors, which had been in the 1990s running uh, behind Republicans and Republican interests, started to catch up, caught up. And really the last decade, particularly with the Obama victory in 2008, has been one in which most money 
uh, came from Democratic interests or the Democratic Party. They have been better at fundraising. So it's and it and much of that decade, while Citizens United is a recent case, much of that decade was uh, since certainly 2005, 2006 was under rules that are very similar to to Citizens United. So history doesn't really tell us that this is going to happen. These are fears and sort of, of course, there's also a cynicism about it because you have to get people riled up and this fear riles them up. But there is this undercurrent, I think, that exists among those who are very, very interested in getting uh, campaign finance restrictions, mm-hmm. speech restrictions, and, and, and the like, that they fear that people that they don't agree with mm-hmm. will win if allowed to communicate freely. Sure. That's always been, uh, dis- it's been discussed in sort of scholarship. Is the real fear that, remember, Citizens United doesn't allow people to contribute and corrupt public officials. It allows people to spend money on ads. The money goes to TV stations or whatever. The notion is that, and the fear is that if they are allowed to do that, businesses will, as in a united front, spread ideas that essentially uh, fool the gullible and bring about uh, results that people don't want. I mean, we should be very clear when you look at the actual debates, while this seems to be a debate about whether the political process is corrupt or not or good or bad, people who are involved in it seem to be very concerned about what the consequences, who will be elected, who will not be elected, what kind of policies will come out of it. it it's almost as if the process is really, in the end, a secondary concern. Uh, and I think, however, the notion that things are going to change a great deal is uh, unproven for sure and maybe uh, really too much uh, panic mongering. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government and author of This Struggle to Limit Government, available for sale at cato.org.